You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. We are back with the ESO Network Book Club, and this time out, we are looking at Ready Player Two by Ernest Klein. That's right. The sequel to the bestseller is here. Did it take us into a next level, or did it flop and end game? That's a good question. And... You know, it's going to be a great show. We have a lot of good people to talk about this one. And we definitely want to hear from you guys to find out what you guys thought about this. But my true Ready Player One is right here staring at me right now. Let's welcome Mr. Mike Gordon to the show. Howdy. How many quarters does it take to play your level, sir? <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty cheap, actually. So um, not not a lot. Oh, that's good. You don't, need a, you don't have many tokens. I'm not one of those uh, four-quarter machines. Well, that's good to know because, you know, hopefully the levels aren't get too hard to pass. Oh, so, man. Goodness, goodness gracious. You know, you have to find the secret fez at the end of the uh, levels to <laughs> level up. And then you have to find the invincible tiki mug to, you know, to, you know, level up. So it's kind of cool. I definitely think he's ready for it. And we're ready for you guys. How are you guys doing at home? We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Write us, please, at feedback at earthstation1.com. Find out, you know, what are you guys up to? What have you been doing for 2021 so far? We're already made it through January. Can you believe that? It's already past us. As long as 2020 was, 2021 is just flying by, which is pretty amazing and hopefully good things are coming our way this year so definitely would love to hear from you guys and speaking of hearing from you guys we'd love to get feedback from you guys we would love to get a rating from you guys we're not too proud you know please leave us five stars wherever you listen to this show and feedback would be much appreciated that's how we could find out what you guys think about us let let us know what you guys think of the show definitely want to hear from you guys and that this is the way to do it. You know, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and we you know, we're available everywhere you could listen to podcasts. So definitely do. And if you want good geek talk, of course go to our Facebook group. We have got a great ESO network Facebook group where we talk about all kinds of geeky stuff. And speaking of geeky stuff, the new episode of the Dragon Con report is out. That's right. 2021 is here, and the first episode is out. Mikey, what did we talk about? Well, we uh, we talked about the, the news, uh, which there's very little of, as well as uh, just reviewed some uh, aspects of last year's Dragon Con when they went virtual and what that might mean for our future Dragon Con. So had a lot of fun. We've got uh, the usual, uh, you know, band of band of uh, Dragon Conners uh, to uh, together. Uh, I thought yeah, they were misfits, really. I thought they <laughs> I was were total say, misfits. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's a, you know, we're having fun and we're hoping, fingers crossed, that uh, the Dragon Con, no matter how it happens this year, that it's going to be uh, an event that uh, will be the best of the year. 
No, um, hopefully it'll be a blast as always. And we get into a lot of different topics on this one. So check us out. You could check out the DragonCon report on either the ESO Network uh, website or they have their own website now, which is dragonconreport.com. And, of course, please subscribe to that show also. Wow, that was a free little promo for them right away, you know. That's pretty awesome. Speaking of promos, let's also give a big shout out to our patrons. That's right. The ESO Network Patreon is here, folks. And we have a great bunch of people already helping us out. But we would love to more. We'd love to you to get involved with it for as little as a dollar a month. You get really cool stuff up there. You get previews of shows. You get 48-hour advanced you know, preview of the Dragon Con Report, Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and some new shows that are coming down the path are going to be starting to post their show up there early also. You also get the ESO Board Silly podcast. You get some swag like ESO Network Magnets. You get window stickers. You might even get a chance at the Geek Seat. That's right, folks. You could be in the Geek Seat, too, for as little as a dollar a month. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Also, a big shout-out to our friends at Tifosi Optical. That's right. Tifosi Optical is here with, you know, spring right around the corner. It's time to pick out your new sunglasses. And Tifosi Optics, that's right. You can get uh, your own custom-made pair of glasses. That's right. You have different color lenses, different color frames. You can pick and choose and mix and match. It's pretty darn awesome. And one of our writers wrote me the other day, and they actually said, Mike, you know when you talk about Tifosi Optics, you always say they have f the blue light glasses. It is actually the blue light blocking glasses that they have because, you know, you don't want blue light into your eyes. That's why your eyes get tired after being in the computer all day. Yes, I know. Thank you. And I work on computers all day, so I know how tired my eyes get after looking at the monitor for so long. So these wonderful blue blue light blocking glasses are pretty darn amazing. So definitely check them out. And if you go to TifosiOptics.com and you put in Earth Station 1, you get, that's right, 10% off your order. Not just a pair of glasses, but your whole order. So check it out, Tifosi Optics. And now we're here with actor Will Wilson. Welcome to Earth Station One, my friend. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, dude, you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, um, I got started acting late in life, I guess. Well, better, better late than never, as we like to say. Well, I, you know, I'm kind of a movie geek myself. We were talking before we started recording about how much of a movie geek each one of us could be at times. Oh, and, sure. uh, I grew up, uh, not just, you know, watching the movies for their entertainment value. I was looking for, you know, what was the underlying tone, you know, the, the character, I, I admired character arcs written in, you know, uh -huh. and, uh, sure. developed through, through the context of the movie. And right. trying to see the movie through the prism of the director's eye, you know, and right. trying to listen to the hacks, be critics of movies and, and just get it all wrong. It just blew my mind. And then they're, they're declared icons because they're out this profound undertaking of the director's, what the director's message is supposed to be. Just watch the damn oh, sure. movie and himself. You know, you've done, you got into it late in life. What made you finally decide to become an actor? 
oh, I finally got my kids growing up, raised up and ready to go on their way. So I could so you actually had all the free, uh, some, you had the free time type of stuff. Yeah, I actually had a little bit of time to do something. So um, I got involved with some acting classes and uh, one thing led to another. I saw myself in front of an audition camera and I uh, was pretty fortunate right out the gate and I got several projects right out the gate. So, and got some exposure. So it's worked out pretty well since I started. That's pretty awesome, man. Cause you know, it's, it's tough to break in, but you know, depends what kind of roles you're going for. And you know, if you're willing to take small little roles and then work up to bigger and such. And some right. people, some people think, oh, I'm going to be the next, you know, I'm going to be the next Danny Trejo or I'm going to be the next George Clooney or something, you know, something like that. But, you know, if, you know, like with me, I'm starting, I'm doing the same thing. I'm getting now into doing voice acting and such because oh, I've done yeah. podcasts. I, I've been doing podcasting for 10 years and everyone always has said, oh, you've got the voice for it. You should be doing this. And me, you know, like, oh, but I'm a podcaster. I can't do any, you know. And then same thing as you. My son's grown. It's like now it's my time to do something also. There you go. And it's and you're, like the only you're, – You're basking in the fun of it. Well, exactly. I'm having fun with it because I get to talk to great people like you and everything. And, you know, you know, what, you know, where are you based out of? What part of the country? Uh, Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, oh. man. Yeah. The Oklahoma film scene, uh, man, it's taken off in a big way and, and we're making a statement here in Oklahoma and, uh, it's making its impression. Uh, Hollywood's looking our way a lot more. You know, we're wanting to get the reason Oklahoma is so attractive is because we're so maverick in our approach and we're trying to be original in our thinking. And the independent filmmaker has its niche here in Oklahoma. And um, there's so much. There's, you know, rich tapestry of places to go to and there's a rich fabric to as a backdrop. So uh, it's definitely got its perks working out of Oklahoma. Well, and, sure. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure, uh, and you know, film and music industry just keeps growing by leaps and bounds every year. Even COVID didn't seem to slow the roll that much. And we have Reagan cool here, and we got the, you know, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon coming in. You know, we got right. Out of Exile, which I just shot. We got Second Chances I'm shooting now. So. No, that totally makes sense, and it's pretty awesome because I've been look, I looked through your film history, and you haven't been in it, you know, that long. But it's pretty awesome that you get to, you know, what the projects you have worked on is, you know, and you've worked with some pretty big stars already, which is pretty cool. Yeah, Peter Green and uh, Ryan Merriman and Adam Hampton. Kyle Quika mm -hmm. Harris, director, and Kyle Jacob Henry, Wilson Novice, up and comer. Right. Um, just, yeah, a lot of great talent. Producer wise, too. I mean, mm -hmm. Lori Cummings and Marcus Cox and uh, Jake, um, Jacob Snowball. Right. You know, it's just great, great talent to work with. And, you know, transplants, LA producers coming in and, and mixing it up with Oklahoma producers, turning out a, a really phenomenal product, especially with the budget, you know, we're working off of. 
and then taking advantage of uh, Oklahoma's nod to the film film and music industry by uh, you know the uh, uh, incentives they give for us here now. And we're still trying to build off of that. And, you know, we've got a, a, a full blown um, lot trying to get produced here. We got uh, several studios popping up all over the place here, uh, sound stages. So I mean, there's all kinds that we're trying to. If 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 I had my way about it, and, and I had my input to it, I'd try to keep as much of the politics and uh, political stuff out of movie making as we can. Not try oh, to yeah. direct the message, but if you want to send the message, you know, whatever. But we don't need to be directing any messages, you know. We just need to tell a story, man. Lay it out and let people decide for themselves instead of trying to influence the thought process. Exactly. Movies should be, you know, dreams and, you know, whatever you want to get out of it. It should just be fun. Yeah. And exactly. I mean, you can, you can do You could do a movie without trying to subvert a cultural way of thinking with every shot that you take in a script or, or backdrop or storyline or character development or character arc. I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. Just show real life because it's all there. It's all mm -hmm. there if I happen to have it shoved down anybody's throat, you know? You're going to find it no matter what. Yeah. It's, it's part of, it's just part of life. Yeah. And so exactly. just accept it for what it is instead of, you know, in my mind, in the creative process, you don't, you want to explore those boundaries and you want to hit on those things and raise those subjects. But you go from being an informer to a bully in my mind, just trying to shove it down people's throat all the time. And right. especially the way it's delivered. And uh, I'm talking about everything from, you know, political divide, racial divide, religious divide, uh, sexual divide, whatever. There's just quit, quit feeding the divide because there's a lot more people out here want to come together that want to divide each other up. You know what I'm saying? I agree completely. No, and we need you're, to have, you're saying it perfectly. Our movies, our creative processes need to include the real human experience. And that's the real human experience. That's why I got involved with acting. I wanted to help not only connect myself to the real human experience, but I wanted to be able to tell a story in a convincing manner to serve somebody else's human experience. Sure, of course. So what projects are you working on right now? Well, we just uh, wrapped Out of Exile. It's uh, Kyle Kawika Harris, a uh, screenwriter and director, one of the producers. And right. uh, Adam Hampton and uh, Peter Green. Two main characters, real badasses in their roles. And uh, <clears throat> then there's uh, Kyle Jacob Henry, wonderful talent in his own right. Just a, just a hot shot coming up. Wilson Navas, he's just a badass on screen. He's got a great presence, man. Dude's all business. That's awesome. And uh, myself, of course. Uh, of course. And uh, we had uh, just a phenomenal cast. Ryan Merriman. Um, I know I'm forgetting people. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've got to do better. But um, phenomenal cast. Everybody, man, when we, when we shot this film, there everybody was an alpha in their role. And everybody's mm -hmm. role had a, a certain, um, uh, I guess, level of male testosterone attached to it because it's a high adrenaline movie. I mean, these guys are, doing some shady shit and, and they're getting it on. They're getting their adrenaline rush on at the same time. 
take care of business. And so these characters were always at each other's throats and nipping at each other and gnashing at each other and scratching at each other. So we mm-hmm. kept we kept the fun going behind the scenes too. It's fun. That's pretty awesome. That, you know what what carried through was you know what you see on screen, but it also carried up behind the scenes and everything too, which is pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's sitting there and and a, a lot of times you could yeah. you could tell when you're watching the film that the chemistry is really there for it, which is pretty oh, awesome. Yeah. I couldn't that's have asked for a more uh, talented group of people to be associated with. To tell you the truth, I'm I'm just amazed at the talent, at the passion. That's what that's the thing that got us. What made the whole cast and crew gel? Because a lot of the crew wore more than one hat. It is a real small crew and with the COVID thing it really took a chunk out of the budget so we had to be COVID compliant and uh, tested often I would drive man I drove two and a half hours one way to get a COVID test so I could be on set in the next 48 hours wow okay just to show up and get my COVID test and hightail my ass back to the house might be at work the next day and uh man so, that your dedication to the craft. <laughs> oh, it totally is. Yeah. You know, to voluntarily get something stuck up your nose for your art, it's a great thing, man. <laughs> that that's pretty awesome, dude. Well, well thank God you for know, HCQ and vitamin C. Oh gosh, yes. You know, also, you know, you just got to be careful and. You know, it, it sounds like they're taking a lot of the precautions on the movie set and everything just to make sure yeah. that everyone is, you know, safe on that. You've been in you've been in the industry, what, about five, six years now or so? Oh, four, maybe. Okay. Okay. Maybe a little over four. 2018. Yeah. 2000, I think 2018. Yeah. yeah. So about four years, just about. Do you, you know, what is your highlight, do you think, so far? Getting a call or a text from a writer or producer asking if I'd like to be a part of their project, it's such a thrill because Mm -hmm. the depth of talent here in Oklahoma is just mind-numbing. Right. And uh, the the great minds and the great uh, passion for for their created product is unsurpassed it's it's just raw talent here and it's everybody's just um it's everybody's wanting to work together because it's there's that there's that much talent nobody's wanting to um play politics with any projects i don't i don't think i've seen anything like that i hope i don't ever see awesome but uh it's just been amazing the experience has been amazing i i think i've been spoiled thus far so I really can't say anything bad. <laughs> I think That's, I've been awesome. Very That's awesome that you have all good experiences with it because, you know, it's it makes it, you know, for someone like myself, it makes me really, you know, want to jump in now more with both feet. So it's pretty awesome because taking you as an example. Well, it's what you make it too, though, bro. Yeah. It's what you make Of it. course. Okay. Of course. So, I mean, you're, you're us as – I guess, uh, social presences, I don't know what you call us. Um, mm-hmm. but 
I usually call myself Where, a pariah, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah, the messes that we are, the glorious messes that we are. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's we're what we make of ourselves. And, oh, uh, exactly. I mean, we're told you that are, in the beginning. We just need to perpetuate that and help others along exactly. the way. We get the opportunity to help. help. This is what, what's well, great about this Oklahoma film community, man. They'll pitch you in and load up cameras or they'll work out deals for camera rig setups and whatever just so people can you know, get their stuff shot. Mm-hmm. But that's, all. that's going away because we're getting more and more equipment and more and more crew. And there's, you know, there's a film academy uh, in the Oklahoma city area, Green Valley nice. film. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's getting a lot of uh, attention and a lot of enrollment. We're going to be, that's nice. Oklahoma's ready to go. It's set up for success. The other thing we need is, uh, I think I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not speaking for anybody but myself, but, we could we get some distributors set up here through Oklahoma. I don't think there's any stopping what we can That's do. Cool. Would you ever consider going out out to California or down here to Georgia? Because with the movie industry so huge out here, to live no, but I would love to work at either location. Yeah, well, that's what I mean to just just to work and everything. So you'll go, yeah. you'll work, you will go travel for work, which is good. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the only thing I'm limited to right now is my daytime budget, <laughs> and that you know that's that's a finite resource. So um, I need to uh, just be careful in how I approach projects. I guess. Well, exactly. Just which, you know, when you when you become I, how I audition too, so, or submit right. for auditions. Of course. Just remember when you become rich and famous. Remember the little people who help support you on the way up and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get there first, but yeah, oh, I think you will. I, I definitely think I you will. I don't think that there's anything that uh, we can't do. We do this together. I mean, this even this whole time you and I are spending together. I mean, yeah. we're helping each other out. It's a symbiotic relationship. Oh, dude, but we of get course. To tell a good story. We get to tell a good story in the meantime. You know, open up a little okay. bit. You know, be a little bit real, and uh, oh, yeah. you know, pull people into the fireside chat, so to speak, and. Uh, just just have a good time. And speaking of stories, are you ready to take your shot at the geek seat, my friend? Yeah, let's see what you got here. All right, man. All right, your first question for the geek seat tonight is: What is your favorite geek out moment? Oh man, when I get my ride going, she she's been in the shop for quite a long minute, and I'm really upset she's still in the shop. And this COVID thing really messed with my ability to ride this year and I'm not happy. Right. But uh that's my I geek out every time, man. I just like <laughs> every wow. time I get a chance to ride, I'm just like I'm just totally zoned in. Well just there's nothing like being out on the road and just being out there. And you know, just knowing I can go anywhere. It's just one of the best feelings in the world. Well feeling that wind on your face. It's a oh yeah. It's a big deal. And it does do, it stirs something inside you. There's something primal going on there for me. No, I totally understand. And I think probably what you said about your bike being in the shop, it's probably what is your most disappointing geek out moment. Yeah, same. They're, they're right there hand in hand. Same side of the I can totally understand. It's just, That's what I was thinking. Man, alive. It's just the worst. Oh, I know. So, 
and it, it's like even being in a convertible or being it's nothing isn't the same as being on a bike right yeah i do understand that i agree completely what keeps you out the most wow what geeks me i geek out over being involved with my own career path in the film industry cool. i really geek out over it. i like i like making the contacts i like networking i like meeting new people uh, awesome. I like uh, I like the opportunity to uh, I guess engage other creatives because it, it feeds my creative process too so and just imprint some of that awesome hopefully some of that rubs off on me somewhere along the way you know mm-hmm. I'm able to Every- do it justice somewhere down the road everything should be a learning experience. And, you know, that's, you know, the master of the world is somebody who learns from everything he's doing, which is pretty awesome. That's pretty oh, cool. I keep trying. Yeah. I'm pretty thick headed though. <laughs> oh. So am I. That's why I've been podcasting for 10 years now. So right. Right. what turns your, what turns your geek off? Hmm. Probably if I'm not around people that share the same geekiness, I don't want to impose my geekiness on them. So I just like, I'll just pull it back because I don't want, I can, I'm really passionate and I have a pretty big presence. I've been told. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking about something I'm geeking out on, it's just, it's kind of pretty, it's kind of intense. For and sure. so when, some people can't take that kind of intensity, so I've got to pull it back. So I just just lay it down and don't even deal with that. I'll talk about something tame. I'll talk about right. something cultured instead of something primal. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. I think most of us are that way. If you know, you have to almost be a chameleon, and you know, sometimes have to hide your true, you know, your true self because oh, they're gonna, if I tell them what I'm really passionate about, they'll all go, Ooh, whoa, no, you know, where's your pocket protector? Where's your, you know, your hair slicked back? Yeah, where's your, right. you know, tape between your glasses, man? You know, so yeah, I totally well, understand just, that. Just one. the other night, I did a podcast with the group, and uh, they were Star Trek geeks. It was over. Uh, Episode, not episode, it was Star Trek 3, I believe, or was it 2? But I was ver- well-versed enough, well-versed well enough, I should say, to be able to keep up and offer, you know, a little bit of insight into how I thought, you know, the Klingon Empire was reacting to this. And it was fun, you know? Oh, I'm sure. And that's a And that's pretty awesome that you're able to talk to people on different levels and everything, which is the best way to be, you know, you'd be able to do that. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Fictional character? Yeah. Wow. That's a heck of a question. What fictional character would I like to meet the most? The guy that, uh, Oh, it's in the Silmarillion, but uh, probably Arendel from J.R.R. Tolkien's books, mm-hmm. the, uh, the guy that was starting the line of Aragorn. Oh, sure. The one who was, you know, I can't remember the his king. name was Arendel or Elendil. 
Yeah. I think whoever you talk to pronounces it differently. The first king, because that dude was wise beyond his years. Reading Tolkien growing up, I I read him really young. And uh, reading, I just read him throughout my entire life, and I learned to appreciate the nuances of the Silmarillion and these other stories better. Sure. And uh, seeing such a rich tapestry being painted like that, it just blew my mind. That is awesome. So, yeah, I would love to play him. If I could get an opportunity to play him, I'd, just, I'd probably well, You know, Amazon is looking for people in their new Lord of the Rings show, so... I think you might have a possibility. Yeah. That would that be, be kind of cool. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Fictional character would I not like to meet? I wouldn't want to meet Pike Orloff in a dark alley. He's the guy I played in Out of Exile. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> No, you you know from heart that you know you wouldn't want to meet this guy. Yeah, that's awesome. He's just he's just bad news. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Uh, I don't know if I'd call it geek, but a motto of mine is I adopted it was. Uh, is always keep moving forward. It's an infantry motto. And, That's uh, awesome. Another one's follow me. I can't remember if it's attributed to infantry or rangers. I don't, or I don't can't remember who it was or 82nd Airborne. Mm-hmm. 101st. Either way, it was it's something I heard years ago and it stuck with me. And I just, just keep moving forward. So that's my geek out go to. Because awesome. I'm not trying to encourage somebody. I mean, I know what it's like to have to pick myself up, dust myself off, and just keep plugging away. I have to sidestep a little awesome. bit, climb over something, climb under something. That's all right as long as I'm moving forward. That's cool. I, no, I like that. I like that one a lot. I might actually have to start using that one. I like that. What's your <laughs> ideal geek occupation? Oh, yeah, dealing with your love. Uh, that's yeah. to me, would be anybody's geek occupation, right? So sure, of course. for me, uh, acting uh, and studying acting and uh, taking the time to uh, um, develop my creative side that I've put aside all these years, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And having, That's awesome. I, 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 to get, I want to get to the point where in my, my geeky, you know, my geekiness, I guess, right. and, uh, I'd like to have be able to support you know, just do movies alone and be able mm-hmm. to feed my intellect, and, you know, feed my spirit, and just get get fit mentally and spiritually again. I am now, but what I'm saying is have the leisure time to do that instead of feel pressured to do it. I have to work it in. Right. And it's... But it would just be an everyday part of your life. Yes. Not... I want to be able to quiet myself enough so that I can have a positive impact on somebody around me. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm living up to my full potential as it is at the moment. Okay. That actually fits perfectly into the next question. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Well, I have done it. And uh, just framing houses for the rest of my life, I would hate to – I did that for a long time. And uh, it, 
it hurt. <laughs> I hurt myself a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I feel you know, for the guys that do do it to this day at my age, and they're they're some tough as nails gentlemen. I got to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Respect exactly. It's some. It's people I respect. They're out there in the cold. They're out there in the rain. They're out there. Oh, yeah. All to, and it's it's just it's just craziness. And especially as you get older and stuff, you get achy and you know craggly, yeah. as we like to say. Right. I think we're all we're all getting a craggly, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, are you are you ready for your final question? In the geek seat. Shoot. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? To have a successful acting career. I mean, successful and I helped others some way, somehow. Because, like here, I I get offered stuff by people. They refer me, and I refer them all the time. I, you know, you don't hear about that in Hollywood. You don't hear about that at all. But it happens here all the time. I want to oh, be sure. able to, so my, I, I'd feel successful at that point if I was a part of somebody else's success. You know, right. I contributed in some manner uh, mm-hmm. out of the, just wanting to see them succeed. No, I totally understand that. You know, because that's their dream. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to be able to cheer somebody on to success at the same time, you know, um, uh, I get this, you know, I get the same thing any day, every day, all day, today. I want to be able to pass it on to somebody else. So, yeah, yeah, that's totally understandable. That is awesome. That is, that is very commendable. Dude, you rock, man. But I also have some great news for you. You've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations, Mr. Mike Gordon. Tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $83.06. That's awesome. That's the best $83.06 wow. I ever won. <laughs> yeah, but it's only worth it up here on the station. Yeah, you can't really take it with you. That's it the decreases problem. decreases in value the closer you get down to earth. So, uh, oh. <laughs> so spend it wisely while yeah, you can. Yeah, got you back, right? Dude, it's been great having you on the station. Um, where can people find out like what you're up to, where to go and see your latest projects online, that kind of thing? Well, well I, my Facebook profile, I've got to create a page, but you can go to my Facebook profile and check it out. But I have an IMDb page. It's Will with one L, Will Wilson. Mm-hmm. On IMDb, you can check out my uh, um, projects on there. And this needs to be updated. Uh, I'm working on it. I've uh, got some stuff in the works, but uh, and my resume needs to be updated as well. But, and my <laughs> classes I've taken, I've taken a lot of classes. That's another great thing is uh, I'm always learning. I mean, I follow Actor and Spirit on Instagram all the time. My Instagram is we W E Wilson six nine two. So that's my Instagram. But yeah, you can find out what I'm going doing on all three of those platforms awesome i try to keep all of my facebook and my instagram stuff uh just film related stuff yeah yeah we'll um we'll have links to all those in our show notes so that people can uh follow you please follow me please i want to ask you please track my uh progress on imdb if you go to my page just Mm -hmm. go go through my page and just click that little button to the right of my picture that says track him 
And uh, that would uh, help me tremendously. I'd appreciate that greatly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very cool. That is awesome, Will. Thank you for being with us tonight. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back with our review of Ready Player Two. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. Today for my blurb, I want to talk about two streaming services that I have tried out. They're not new streaming services overall, but they're new to me. One of my kind of geek goals for this year was to check out other streaming services and kind of sign up for a different one each month. Give it a try and in the end see which one I liked best. My first one that I tried out is called BritBox and I absolutely loved this streaming service. It's great if you're a fan of British dramas, TV shows, there's a lot of great period dramas, thrillers, some mysteries. Some of my favorite things that I watched on this is I am a huge Jane Austen fan, so I watched a new adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, an adaptation I'd never seen of Jane Eyre. It's a really great, cozy winter watch. I just love British dramas so much, whether they're set in past historical times or more current times. So highly recommend that if that's an area you're at all interested in relatively inexpensive for that streaming service. The other one I just signed up for is called Acorn TV. It's basically the same as BritBox. However, there's a different selection of shows on each platform. So if you're going to sign up for one, I would recommend either doing the free trial or scroll through their selection to see which one has more stuff you want to watch. I found plenty of things I wanted to watch on both streaming services but definitely recommend you breeze through their collections before signing up. So far, I've really liked the method of doing one streaming service per month because I think sometimes it's easy to get so overwhelmed with all these streaming services that are offered. And you sign up for all of them and then you forget you have some. So I really like doing it for a month, watching all the things I want to, and then moving on to a different service. So that's worked out really great so far. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, you can check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. This week, I'm going to be doing a review of one of the miniseries that I watched on the British streaming services, which is actually an Agatha Christie mystery, so I'm super excited to talk about that. More positive than a New Day pancake. More fun than a super kick party. It's the wrestling podcast from the host, who is the hammer swinging, burrito eating, well you know the rest, of Thunder Talk, Sexy Thor! It's the ring of thunder found in the Thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we got to talk about our new sponsor on the show, NSC Live TV. That's right, folks. 
NSC Live TV is the proud sponsor of the Air Station One podcast, and NSCLiveTV.com is the premier site for finding live auctions or comic book shops. No more surfing countless hours trying to find live auctions or comic book shops that carry the age or type of comics or vintage toys you're into. That's NSCLiveTV.com. Thank you guys for sponsoring Earth Station One. We do appreciate it. And speaking of appreciating it, it is finally time for the main topic. That's right. We've all been waiting for this for quite some time since the book came out. It is time for the ESO Network Book Club. And we are looking at, ready for this, Ready Player Two. Take it away, Mikey. Yes, yes. Uh, we are heading back to the Oasis. And, uh... Well, we, you know, we couldn't quite get the, the, the high five together or even the low five. So, but we've got five. So we've got medi- the medium five, I guess. I don't know. I thought we were the schlop. I thought we were the sloppy five, you know, sloppy or something. Five, right? the sloppy five. <laughs> of course, this wouldn't be a book club without uh, Kirby Bartlett Sloan. Welcome back, Kirby. Thank you. It's always fun to do these. Uh, we also have back with us Van Allen Plexico. Gentlemen, it's always so good to be here. Absolutely. And uh, you were here for our review of the first book, so and the movie, I think, as well, right? Probably so. Very likely. So, yeah. So, uh, it's uh, good to have you back, as well as uh, this, this, James, it's been a while since you've been on the station again. James Palmer, everybody. Hey, it's always great to be on the station talking about whatever, but especially... Uh, Ready Player One stuff, so I'm excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, um, yeah, we've got a limited time to do it, so let's get started um, right away. I'm going to start with you, James. What was you know what was your thoughts going into you know once you heard there was an announcement that there was officially a sequel? It's coming. It's real. It's happening. It's released. Uh, what was your experience like? Is there does there need to be a sequel? You'd be looking forward to it. Were your expectations high? And then, like, just real quick, what was um, you know? With this is going to be spoilers, so feel free to dive in as deep as you want. Um, so, uh, yeah, what was your overall opinion of of after you read it? Um, you know, it's it's not as good as the first book. Um, I've read the first book three times. It's it it answered some uh, interesting questions raised in the first book, which, which I liked. Uh, it, it definitely raised the stakes this time around. Um, overall, I, I I you know I thought it was pretty good. Like I said, it's not as good as the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think the first book needed a sequel. I was kind of uh, uh, guardedly apprehensive about this book, but uh, I I think it I think it. Uh, I think he did a the client did a good job on it. Okay. Overall. All right. We'll get definitely more details. Van, what about you? Uh well, I was I was two minds going in before I ever read it for when I heard it was coming. Um on the one hand, you know, I always am excited to get more of something I already like. Even even though often, off not always, but often you're you're disappointed. Sequels often disappoint, but I was just excited to get more of this pro- property I love. I've, I've probably read the book three times and listened to audiobook seven or eight times. But um, on the other hand, it was really a no-win scenario for Klein because I just didn't see any way that he was that it was going to come out. I mean, it comes out positive for him in terms of he made some money. That's great. And it came out positive in terms of we got more Ready Player One that's official. 
canonical, you know, it's not fan fiction. But other than that, I mean, you knew the critics weren't going to like it as much. You knew that there was this backlash out there already that's been growing for years. Um, and so it just seemed like a way to wave the red flag in, fu- in front of the people that were waiting for a chance to attack him again. And I got a lot I can say about that. We'll see as appropriate as we go along, but I don't want to go into it all right now. But I just have a real beef with the crowd that basically lives to attack this property and the faults that they claim to find in it that I don't, I don't think are legitimate for the most part. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was excited to get more, and I really – I was hoping that he did it because he loves it and not just because he knew it would make him some more money. And I think probably a little bit of both, honestly. And now as, I, well, as, I, as far I, as it, the book itself goes, yes, James is right. It's not as good as the first, but what is not much. Yeah. True. Not much. That's true. What um, going in the time. I'm not, I'm not sure of the timeline. Did he talk about doing a sequel before the movie? Cause it seems like after the movie was released, that's when I started hearing about it. Uh, like there's definitely going to, there's definitely a sequel written in the works. I remember the earliest thing I remember hearing about him doing a sequel was him saying that his, his sequel book was going to be more influenced by how they wrote the movie than he had originally thought that in other words, some of the Mm. stuff they did in the movie would influence the book. And I think that the whole anorak as an independent malevolent force thing kind of came out of the ending of the movie there really wasn't anything in the first book to lead you in that direction. I didn't think. Mm-hmm. I agree with that actually. Yeah. Good way I, to put I know it. that some of the cast members, when they signed the contract for the first one, it included a sequel. So yeah. I think the studio obviously had that in mind from day one, but I mean, they always do, right. They're always trying to start a franchise. Um, yeah. Kirby, oh, by the way, there will be spoilers tonight, folks. Yep, yep. <laughs> I thought it, yep. Did that already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kirby. Yeah, but you, yeah. Can never, you can never say that too often, right? Like, not, alert, not, right? On this, not on this show, no. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm always looking for spoilers. Anyway, I was not real sure I wanted a sequel because I enjoyed the first one so much. Uh, and I've read it, what, three times now? Mm. And um, it's so much better than the movie. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Yeah, I, mean, I, I enjoy the movie, but for a different reason. Down van, down van. Yeah, <laughs> for, for, it's not the it's not the same at all. Anyway, I, I saw his Wolverine claws come out. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I um, I had this thing waiting to to buy as soon as it came out, and and just start into it immediately once I got it. Uh, it's not as good. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some other things dealing with it. I'm sure we'll talk about later, so I won't get too deep right now. Okay. This, okay. It, it made it made me revisit some franchises with that I had incomplete things on. They're still incomplete on John Hughes, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better. Interesting. Interesting. Um... Wow, that's uh, I didn't even thought about that, Kirby. I was like, I wonder how like if somebody like slipped in money as to which uh, franchises he was going to use for quests in terms in terms of getting those revenues back up. You know, there were some odd <laughs> choices there. Eclectic, eclectic. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? Pretty much, you know, I was in the same boat. I was not expecting a sequel because I thought the book and the movie 
ended pretty perfectly. I was very happy with the way they ended it, that, you know, Oasis was in good hands. We were, you know, they found that Percival found true love and, you know, everything. He had his friends with him and they were going to run the business and everything was going to be happy. And I was looking forward to that. When I heard that they were doing a sequel, I wasn't so sure about it. I was a little worried about that. But at the same time, you know, I was like, okay, I'm open to it. I liked the world he created. I liked the virtual reality. I like how vast, you know, a ver and very possible future he had created for us. Because evolving-wise, it almost seems like this is the direction Facebook and the internet and social media and everything and the video game world is headed. And especially like with Oculus and stuff that they have that, you know, it just seems this is the natural steps for where we were going. But I didn't know where he was going to try to go with the second book. And I have a lot of opinions on it. Some might not be so popular with some of the people here tonight, but I'm thinking that it will be a fun discussion and I'm very much looking forward to finding out and getting, picking people's brains, why he even chose some of the places that they went with us. So it'll be a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't think I have, I'm probably out of everybody have the least um, invested in the franchise. I've read the book once I saw the movie once I enjoyed them. Um, but um, I, I can't say that they, I loved them. So, um, but I was interested to read a sequel. Um, and, uh, I understand you know, this, you know, it doesn't matter why he decided to write it. The fact is he wrote it. So it's out there. Right. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, I reading it, I didn't have, I can't say I had terribly high expectations. Um, but, um, there was some, there was some bumps in the road so to speak but i thought i thought the things that were fun about the first book the challenges the camaraderie etc cetera, etc cetera, were fun and some of the concepts that he brought up in this one were interesting even though i don't know if he really developed them as much as i would have liked him to develop them um so but um let's start on a positive note uh james we'll start with you again what's something that you really really took away from this book and you were like that that was pretty awesome he he was pretty successful in that um that one i did <laughs> i i like that we got an answer to um is the the holiday in the oasis and npc or is he actually holiday it, it's it's you know is it live or is it memorex <laughs> um um that he would be the big bad of this book i had no idea mm -hmm. um i i, I thought that. that was cool i thought the oni technology was cool um that he's you know that that way builds a spaceship to you know take some of humanity away from earth I, you know i thought that was you know because he kind of said that in the first book that he that, that that's what he would do if he won the prize um the the clues were interesting. It was uh, way more pop culture uh, than than sci fi. Even with even with the Lord of the Rings stuff, what even Lord of the Rings? It was Silmarillion. Mm -hmm. uh, the 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 print stuff was weird. 
the John Hughes stuff was fun. I'm a I'm a big John Hughes mm-hmm. fan, but even I didn't know that Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to play Ducky. Yeah, that was news in, to me as well. In, in Pretty in Pink. I'm like, so did I, he I just that, make this up? Because I would yeah, how, did, exactly. how did we not know this? I know, like I had no idea. <laughs> um so I thought that was cool. There was some John Hughes stuff in the first book um that they kind of just talked about in passing with Artemis and stuff. So um just stuff like that. It was, wasn't as many cool kind of little Easter eggs and pop culture references as the first book to me. Um, but he, he, he took a different tack. I think it paid off in the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously I, you would expect him to take a different tack because this was not, this was not holidays quest, right? This, well, he right. set it up, but it's all based on interests and uh, things that uh, Kira did. Right. So, yeah. so it's going to be, you're, you'd hope that they have that perspective. Um, now, whether successfully he did that or not, I, you know, I think the jury's still out on with me, but um, yeah. I, I did appreciate that it was, um, you know, I, I appreciated some of the, the, the quests more than others, but then again, it's just like the first one, if you either get it or you don't, right? Like you're either yeah. into that fandom and you're like, you recognize some of that stuff or you're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to have to take them at their word. What, what, what this is, what they're saying. Right. Yeah. And a lot of references are just going to pass you by, <laughs> but as long as they get that shard, then it's fine. Right. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, Van, what about you? What's something positive you took away from? Well, I, I had to say, Mira and I have been watching all the John Hughes movies the last few months, ever since she read the book and what she, it's her second favorite movie and she loves the book. And so, um, in fact, we just did a white rocket where Mira and I talked about this new book. She's 12, but she blew through it faster than I did. But, um, she has very strong feelings about Ducky and Robert Downey Jr. And all that, believe me, that was like a big <laughs> takeaway. Like, what? So she was squawking about that. I really enjoyed that what I felt was the biggest, well, there are several things the movie does better than the book. There are several things the book does better than the movie of, the, of, of one. Okay. One of the things I think the movie does better than the first book is it bases the challenges on relationships and not just on cool stuff. Every challenge mm-hmm. pretty much in the movie is based on something to do with Halliday and his trying to date Og's, you know, Kira, right? It's all about mm-hmm. knowing them as people, not just, hey, it's a Dungeons and Dragons module. You know, I thought that was a big improvement that the movie made. And so I thought that this book, it seemed to follow that same path. And these, because as you guys were saying, they were based more on Kira this time. I thought that was a step up. I thought that it gave more of a, of a grounding to the contest. I also liked that there was a ticking clock in this contest mm-hmm. that made it mm-hmm. different. Yeah. You may, you may like the long form taking, you know, taking months to solve riddles. That's awesome. But I didn't want it twice. So getting to have a different kind of contest where there's a ticking clock and the world's going to end was very different than I can spend three years puzzling this out. If nobody else figures it out first. So that was a nice, I thought a nice, nice change up. And then lastly, that comes to my mind. I like that the characters were all grown up more, except for Wade. Wade mm-hmm. was still the same immature jerk 
that he was the first book. And why wouldn't he be? Because that lays out this idea. Just because you prove to be the geekiest of the geeks to win a contest, that doesn't, you know, he may have won billions of dollars and control the Oasis, but he didn't win maturity. He didn't become any more mature for winning that contest than he already was. And so we saw that and we saw the consequences of that. And I, I thought that was something. I, so I think there's a lot of strong things about this book that get overlooked because people focus on the flashier things that maybe aren't as flashy or as exciting as in the first book. I think there's still a lot of good stuff in here if you if you look in the right places. So, mm-hmm. Kirby, what about you? Uh, things that I liked. Yes. Uh, the extension of the te- technology to the. Uh, I, I pronounced it Oni or Oni anytime I was reading it uh, instead of O and I. Uh, the, that extension. There is a pronunciation the, guide in there, though. There is a, when they introduce it, it does say it's pronounced O and I. Oh. I Will Wheaton says O and I in the audio book. Okay. So, but it's easy I, to pass over because it's just once. But it, I'm not saying you're wrong. But Anyway, um, I really enjoyed getting the background of Kira. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. that was that was my main thing. I really liked. Now I've got to say something about that ticking clock, though. There was not enough time to get all that stuff done, except for sheer luck. Yeah, I, there never is. No, I, there I, never is. That, that, that was a, that was the thing that bothered me most about that ticking clock. Yeah. I like the concept of the ticking clock, but twice as long. Yeah, I'm actually like in, in not just a ticking clock, but just a, a like a page count. Like I'm getting to like you know page 300 of the book, and I'm like, he yeah. still needs two more shards. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. how, what and are we exactly. gonna do? Like, and he said he had an shards. hour 45 minutes left to do it <laughs> no, before like, everyone. You know, it was just like, no. Like each one of these quests is taking like 25 to 35 pages. Like how? There's not enough room. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're, they're, the timekeeper for this for this adventure was the same person who was the timekeeper for the WWE last night during the Rumble. Yeah, maybe and they, they were just lucky that the the Dork Slayer was found by the other group. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, not lucky. Although, I mean, that's the only reason that the other group was introduced. I mean, like yeah. you knew yeah. that was going to happen as soon as you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, it was predictable. That's that's the main yeah. thing. Is Right. Too predictable because you knew that he they had to win in yes. the end. Yeah, that's true. Um, Mike, what about you? What's something positive you got out of the book? Mm, it was 366 pages. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is that like, um, you mean like, that <laughs> was only no. 366 pages? <laughs> no, I, I liked the story. I actually thought it was a good continuation of the original story. And for me, like you guys have been saying, you know, everyone else who was in the previous story had grown up, continued on with their lives where Wade was literally the same kid, the same jerk. He's a man. Yeah, he was, he didn't social. he, he was losing contact with his friends. He lost his girlfriend within the first 50 pages of the book and 
it was just he wasn't thinking about the consequences of what he was doing. And he just wanted to continue playing his game, being, you know, and it was interesting to see that there were hate groups against him. And, you know, and I liked how they even referenced the, you know, the Dark Knight. And, you know, you know, sometimes the hero of the story eventually becomes the villain of the tale. And it was just it was just really well done. I like that. And you saw him grow up in this story because you saw him, you know, you saw him have to be able to ask for help from his friends, from his new group of friends who were helping him, you know, solve the first piece. And it was just, and if you notice, each one of the different adventures they went on was specifically designed for the different member of the high five. And each one had their expertise with it. And that was pretty darn awesome. And like you guys, though, the timeline, you know, they had 12 hours, less than 12 hours to solve and get six more of the shards and then also rescue Og on top of this. It was just, you know, it was just like two out there and not enough time to do that. That's the one thing that was bothering me with this. And, you know, we'll get into things that I didn't like. But, okay. you know, I love hated the John Hughes world. I loved, you know, the Prince world. I liked, you know, some of the other things in this. Yeah. You know, at least it wasn't that they had to act out Monty Python and the Holy Grail again or MASH and in the movie MASH and, you know, stuff like that. And so... I thought that was pretty cool. Some of the things that you made me start thinking while I was reading this, how are they going to get the rights to this for the movie? You know? <laughs> yeah. I was so. wondering like, yeah, cause he had to change it up in the movie. Right. So they had that big yeah. segment on the, the shining, which is not in the book because obviously they had the, the movie rights to the shining for the, for that movie. And I'm like, okay, so does he know like going in that they've already got the movie rights to like the John Hughes library and they can yeah. use that or, um, I don't know. I just uh, I thought that was interesting. I would be curious to know if that would that had any sort of, you know, anything to do with his uh, um, his decision making. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, um, I uh, yeah, I enjoyed, you know, the quest part, the quest stuff, too. I mean, I thought they were they were done pretty well. Um, some of them did go a little long, like uh, um uh, listening to Van's podcast actually made me um, like seek out. I actually did some research on the book and, and in the book and actually, okay. So the first shard, that quest takes 38 pages. The next longest, I don't think this is going to be any shock to Van is uh, Prince's Afterworld. That takes 37 pages. God, God. Mike, um, the Prince thing clever as crap right clever clever brilliant yeah. idea but my gosh how much do we need okay. you know over with uh yeah i i um Shermer takes 35 pages so it's only two pages less um, I, th I thought Shermer was like a hundred pages. The way yeah, Shermer felt. felt long. You know why Shermer <laughs> yeah. felt long to me? Because it seemed like they had gotten there, and then when they got to the prom, the hotel, they had to like go back and do some stuff. So it was like, oh, now it, it feels like it takes longer, right? Mm. Um, 
the uh, Halcedonia take only 12 pages. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, um, but that was the sort of awesome. uh, junior school world or whatever, uh, the kids world. Um, right. First Age of Middle Earth took 26 pages. Uh, the Happy Time Pizza stuff took about 19 pages. So, yeah, you know, roughly about 20 to 35 pages each. Um, I'm a big Prince fan, probably uh, the biggest Prince, Prince fan of anybody here on the podcast. Um, and uh, I, 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 I liked that. But yes, uh, there was some stuff that I was kind of like, I get the references to seven. You know, the, obviously there's seven shards. You know, he's going with that number. But it did make it feel like it was uh, um, a bit. And plus, I was like, okay, Wade has like got maybe maybe intermediate skills as a guitarist at best, and he's going up against seven <laughs> times the best guitarist in the world, in my opinion. Like, I just don't see how he had a chance. I didn't see how he had a chance. Um, so, uh, so that was a bit weird. Um, but you know, the, the, the Shermer stuff was cool. I, I did enjoy that. That was fun. Um, and I'm glad it wasn't like you said, Mike, I'm glad it wasn't like, what do they call those? They, I can't remember the name of what he calls them in the book, but they're like movie Sims, right? Where you, you have to recite every single line of the movie in order to get the quest, right? Mm-hmm. I think he does one of those at the beginning. He does that one of those in in this at some point. Um, cause he's getting through, a uh, like, I think in the beginning when he's looking for that first shard. And I was like, would that be fun? <laughs> like, like to just have to recite like every single line of a movie, like going on a quest. Like that just seems like, uh, I don't know if that would be really popular, but. I was quoting Monty Python and the Holy Grail at dinner tonight. So, <laughs> so maybe it worked. So you um, answered his question right yeah. there. You know. I will <laughs> say I've had the song Princess Song 7 in my head since I've read the book. So mission accomplished there. Um, but uh, um, I also really appreciated the at least uh, I'll say attempt at putting um, a perspective of not only Kira, but Samantha as being more of a factor in, in this book than it was in the first book. Um, So that you've got a little bit more of a woman's perspective. Um, And like um, the move, like Van said, there's things that the movie did that I appreciated more um, than I did the first book. One of the things I appreciated more was that there was a better balance of what was happening in the real world as to what was happening on Oasis. And I thought they did a good job in this as well with that, where, whereas it's not just, everything's not just taking place on the Oasis. There's stuff in the real world that they have to be concerned with as well. And I thought making Samantha be responsible for uh, working through a lot of that was a good move. I wish we'd gotten her point of view, but, you know, as we talk about, um, you know, uh, you know, as we segue into things we didn't like about it, um, I'm going to have to side with Mike on this a little bit and some of the other people. It, I understand that, you know, Wade, it has flaws, you know? Uh, look, I'm a big fan of what happened, what, what they did to Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi. So I get it, right? Like it, sometimes your hero falls down and, you know, that's, the, that's, that's what drama is. You got to pick him back up. But I found throughout the first part, the first third of this book, I found way just not, not only not likable, but the fact that he's, well, the fact that you think he's the narrator, but then you find out in the last chapter, it sleeps the rug underneath you. And it's like, no, it wasn't Wade that was narrating this book this whole time. It was (laughs) AI Wade. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, um, like that was just so strange to me that I was like, um, I don't know what to think now because, uh, you know, AI Wade seemed a little bit more mature than regular real life Wade, <laughs> but I couldn't tell the difference. And ultimately, you know, in a romance, I have to believe that both parties are good for one another. A romance only works for me if both parties are good for one another. And I couldn't think of a single reason that Sam should go back to this guy. <laughs> I couldn't do I couldn't do it. I just was like, you know, Wade might be maturing, sure, but not to the level that she kind of just she kind of just accepts him or just falls in love with him again, accepts him again without sort of any sort of uh growth on his part i just that was the biggest weakness for me i think i agree completely with that he if she fell for him that was you could tell it was written by a man no offense well yeah i mean one of the hardest criticisms is that this has all been male fantasy white male fantasy in particular but male fantasy and i know i know i know i know man yeah, but but I mean, no, to that extent, she, I think it's but a she true. fell for she went back to him way too quickly. There were no real yeah. consequences of you know you know because she was totally against you know the whole thing with like the brain being you know the people putting connecting to their brain. She totally freaked out. That's what killed completely killed their relationship initially. But right. then you know she. He didn't believe in the the quests and the goals that she had of using the money to help better what was going on around the earth in real life and using the money from, you know, the oasis that they were making for, you know, the jillions and jillions of dollars. They were wait, take they were putting the money into a spaceship to take them away from earth <laughs> where she exactly where <laughs> she was going to you know she was trying to fix things here you know for better people give you know helping people in africa helping people in the middle east helping you know starving people and they were laughing at her about it no way my girlfriend would come back to me if i was making fun of her true beliefs ever no yeah. And the fact that the fact that like within 10 days, like he doesn't trust her opinion, you know, like he's just like, no, you're wrong. And, you know, that I don't know, it just seemed pretty. uh, Yeah, there was a lot in that first part where he just there's an info dump right before we get to the first quest, before we get to the meat of the story and where it kind of gets fun. um, That, yeah, I I agree. Um, James, what about you? What's I'm sorry. What? I just want to add something to what Mike said there about the I, you know. I desperately, part of me, the fanboy part of me, desperately wanted Wade at the beginning when he had godlike powers. I had been waiting for this book because at the end of the first book, he gets these superpowers, right? He's like all powerful. And we just get a glimpse of what he can do. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. the first quarter of the next book is going to be him just righteously dealing out vengeance on people we don't like. Instead, we find out he's been using it to zap people who say mean things about him. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh. I could see, I could totally see Mark Zuckerberg doing that. Too. <laughs> no, yeah. It's realistic, but I don't read this book for realism. I read it for escapism and joy. And yeah, I didn't want to see him doing realistic things like being vindictive little crap. I wanted to see him doing <laughs> cool things like battling monsters and stuff, you know. But then I thought, you know, you don't really have a story there because he's invincible. You know, one of the first things that happens is that the AI takes the power away from him. And I'm like, okay. I don't like that, but I 
I acknowledge it had to happen for there to be a story. So, you know. It's why, it's why if you're writing a Justice League thing, you take out Superman first, right? Exactly. Like- <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Uh, J- James, what about you? What was something that uh, you felt could have been improved, uh, let's say? Um, well, I know I know the most tedious thing for me, even listening to uh, Will Wheaton's uh, brilliant reading of it, was the um, the, the Sega Ninja uh, video game. I think that's the, the first quest mm-hmm. that they went on. That that just felt I don't know. It it kind of dragged for me. Was the longest one? Yeah. So um, which I would I would have thought the Prince thing would have been longer. Um, it certainly felt longer, but yeah, it was just something about the Sega Ninja thing. It was like, just hurry up and like, do we have to he's go just through playing every a game. single <laughs> like he's level? He's not even going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, they, they didn't go into that much detail when he was playing video games all through the first book. <laughs> but, um, um, and yet I remember almost none of it, James. So that says a lot too. <laughs> yeah. That's well, it, true. It probably, you know, it probably flew by for you. Um, oh, I mean, it was it was so long and yet so unremarkable that I don't even remember any of it. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Uh, it certainly doesn't make me want to rush out and find the game to play it, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and and I, I don't remember that one from my childhood. Um, I, I think I know why now. <laughs> uh, Kirby, what about you? Well, I, I was thinking about that. Uh, the... I actually enjoyed the video game portion, but also I enjoyed in the in the first book. I really got into the the quests and everything there because I had pretty much personal relationships with a lot of those things when I was young. Uh, because I'm I'm just a little bit older than uh, than Klein. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, what didn't I, didn't I already say the main thing was the timing? Yeah, was that okay? So that's just your main thing. I didn't know that, there was anything else that was uh, that was that uh, you struggled with. I I struggled with well, uh, I didn't really understand the Prince stuff because I'm not that familiar with Prince. Yes, it's made me go out and find Purple Rain and watch it and things like that. But basically I only knew a couple of songs. Uh, and so that one I, I was pretty lost in. <laughs> it's a, You know, it's an interesting thing. Okay. So yeah, Klein's whole thing is, you know, obviously there's a pop culture reference every other sentence, right? I mean, that's, I think, I don't know. You lose, I, I can't imagine someone out there is counted, I'm sure. And there's thousands of them in this book and as well as in the, in the first one. Um, but when I thought in the first book, he did a little bit better job of if if you weren't familiar with that fandom, you still could follow along. Whereas this one, if you didn't, if you didn't belong to that fandom, I mean, I know a little bit about Lord of the Rings, but a lot of that stuff was, you know, just went over my head. Um, and I and I had trouble piecing together what they needed to do and how they got out of things because I didn't understand uh, some of the terminology. And I thought it was a clunkier this time than it was in the first book. What do you guys think about that? I agree. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, things didn't run so smoothly in this one yeah. as it did 
it almost some of it actually in a lot of cases almost felt forced in this one where in the first book i felt like it moved very smoothly across some things in this movie even some of the interactions between the characters felt very forced and that's you know it kind of that partly took me out where I was able to read the first book in two days very easily. <laughs> this one, I had, a, I kept on putting it down and maybe missed a day or two with reading it just because it's like, okay, I'll get to it. You know, I know I have to have it done by this date, you know, <laughs> type thing. There's a time limit. <laughs> well, exactly. There was a time. The clock was ticking right above my head the, the whole time. The first time you could read it at your leisure. Now there's a time limit. It's different this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> we try to mimic the plots as much as we can. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So with all said, you know, and I know we, I wish we could get into it deeper, but with all said, like, okay, I thought that the first book pretty much wrapped things up. The movie left it open, I think, a little bit more than the first book did as far as there being a sequel. Um, this one pretty much, I felt like, just wrapped it up and said, We're, I'm done. Like, like you know, like, yeah. Wade is not going to... Well, it says it's interesting. It says he's not going to ever put on an uh, an, um, an Oni headset again. You got me doing it now, Kirby. Um, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't say he's not going to enter the Oasis again. So I find it hard to believe that he's not going to enter the Oasis ever again. And I also find it hard to believe that he, as he and Samantha continue on and get older, that towards the end of their lives, he's not going to be tempted to uh, make them immortal with the technology that he has. Um, because he, he can do that. Like he can sort of let them live on other versions of themselves. Um, I mean, there's two versions of them going on off into space. Um, I don't see why he, I, I think he would be tempted to do that. Um, but um, is there room for another one? Do you guys want another one? Is no. That you, James? <laughs> I, no, I, I, I don't really think there's anywhere else he could conceivably go with this that I would want to read. Um, I, I think, about, minute, I think the story is pretty well done. Okay. It's part of that too. And we didn't really talk about it, but of course the, the, the low five, right. Are introduced here. I think uh, it would have behooved him better to develop those a bit more. I would have, uh, and, and sparse those throughout the quests. It would have yes. been, yes. Um, yeah. And therefore seeded enough uh, in us to like, want to follow them maybe later on. So I was, as it was, there wasn't enough for me to care, but maybe, you know, that is a possibility. I was surprised when he didn't because he took the trouble to describe each of them. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, these guys are going to continue the story. And we, we didn't even <laughs> see him go after the Dork Slayer. He's kind of limited in his uh, first person tense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I would love to see them, if they did a movie, see them in a subplot of them in the movie going after the Dork Slayer. Would be or awesome. that, or you could also see it as a spinoff. Another there, you could do another book, yeah. almost. I mean, yeah. found out that going going through the Dork Slayer, um, she lost some of the, the her crew, and I was I was almost sympathetic, but I couldn't care because I didn't really get to know them that well. And nope. uh, but I was thinking that would you know that would be kind of interesting to see, and you know, for the most part, at least in the first book, among the the the, the high five, there was some consequences. There was hardly any consequences at all uh, for uh, the four, 
I should say, uh, in this, in this one. Um, but, uh, what about you, Van? You want more? I said from the moment I read the first one 10 years ago or whenever, I said there's going to be Ready Player One, Ready Player Two, and Game Over. <laughs> and so I mean, when they introduced the big red button at the end of Ready Player One, I'm like, there's Game Over right there. And I spent the entire second book wondering, are they going to push the big red button in this book or not? And they played with it, but they didn't do it. So I figured that'll happen in the third book if there's a third book. You would hope that if there is a third book that since Wade and Samantha in particular are not uh, logging in as much are more invested in the real world, certainly that they're going to provide provisions that in case the red button is pushed or any other thing else goes on that the world could survive. Like that would be my main goal for them. Right. Just to like, they they, they, they could be in charge of that. They did make a, he did make the point that I hadn't really thought about that they're, that the, the Oasis is so integrated into everything in the world now that if you push the big red button, it's not liberating humanity from, from, um, from the matrix. <laughs> it is bringing everything crashing down because the yes. whole world is standing on the, on the pedestal of the Oasis. That's a good yeah. point. So yeah. yeah, it limited what he could really do. That really would be like the nuclear option. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, almost literally. Yeah. Um, uh, Kirby, I think you already said no. <laughs> it's, it sounded like a hell no, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't want. Just stop, and, right? Just, just. And, yeah, just. Stop. I, although I do look, I would like the idea of knowing more about the low five. At, when they were introduced, I obviously we're not going to have the video out. For but I just put up a background of one of my favorite characters of all time, the Monkey King. One of them was Wukong, mm. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, and um, I, I even that however long that ago that was now twenty five years ago when during my second trip to China I visited a Monkey King theme park. <laughs> so I even have video on on YouTube about it. I and they, he introduces that so, character so they tease and says you. nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's a big tease for you. Yes, <laughs> but other than that, I don't see where what else can be done. Let me ask you this, because it seems like you more than anybody else um, uh, were more disappointed with this one. Um, does it tarnish your view of the first one at all? Are you still going to like no. go back and reread the first one and listen to it and all that and enjoy it? I I, I plan to right. reread it again. So it's, it's, okay, so it doesn't harsh your 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 buzz. Is it no? As I was getting ready to for tonight, I'm going. Where's Ready Player One? I want to read it again. <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't find that's it. Cool. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? Do you want more? No. Straightforward. No. I think he's he finished it. I thought it was a good send off. He sent the copies off into space in the spaceship. He, you know, then he also then told what basically happened to the counterparts, you know, on Earth, you know, and yeah. that, you know, basically Wade and Samantha are expecting their a daughter. They're, you know, they're saying what happened to each person. It almost felt like it was the Animal House ending type thing, you know, telling what happened to each one. I don't need to find out anything else. Yeah, it was great to be introduced to the low five. 
if they decided to do something with them, maybe. But I wasn't so invested in the characters that I would really run out to pick this up the first day it came out or something. So, you know, I'm just – I'm thinking if – I was hoping they would use the Loke 5 better in the story. They didn't. And I expected them to pop up any minute to help them on a quest or something. And nothing. Nothing at all. So – Overall, I think, you know, he's done. I think this is it. It's a good good enough time. I don't even think I'm going to read the book again. I'm actually thinking, hmm, do I have a used book sale coming up that I need to get to? So I'm think, already thinking I probably won't reread this. Or if I do, I'll listen to the Will Wheaton, you know, version, you know, the audio book of it just to hear that, but I won't go out of my way to read it, but I will reread Ready Player One like Kirby, you know. I'm curious to those people who have listened to the Will Wheaton uh, version, audiobook version of this, um, does he make Wade sound less dickish? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. He does not. No, he does not. (laughs) Uh, So even, even Will can't help with that. Or maybe he doubles down on it. I don't know. Is it, um, is it fair to say that when the uh, when the first movie was coming out, the book fans were like, "Man, I hope they don't change too much from the book," and now they're like, "Man, I hope they change everything for the next movie." <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is uh, supposedly there is a second film in development. So, um, and some of the other sa- same actors are in, under contract. So we'll we'll see how that progresses. But with all you know, the I seven think they quests, were hoping, be different. I were hoping that you know, I think they were hoping that the 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 book, the second book, would do better too, and it. It started really strong, but then it fell off the New York Times list pretty quickly, and and yeah, it's gotten some 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 pretty strong words out there. Um, I you know what I, like you, I would night I wouldn't mind seeing an adventure, maybe a short story or something like that of the the low five. Um, I I would be up for that. I would also be up with a you know a book that takes place oh I don't know maybe in the 23rd century and a Federation starship comes across a planet Og that has like total uh, 80s culture. You know, everybody's listening to everybody's carrying uh, around boom boxes and <laughs> like, yeah. I can totally see that. <laughs> um, that sounds more like an Orville episode. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. And that could be applicable as well. Maybe even better suited for that. Right. Um, powers. There's the rush. <laughs> Continent, and there's the prince continent. <laughs> uh, I could, I could totally see that. Um, uh, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he can go from here. I don't know. It sounds like, like I said, like you said, he's, he's sort of wrapped things up by, by uh, at least as far as the oasis goes in dealing with uh, you know Halliday and all of that legacy is gone. Like I think that's done. So where it goes from there. Um, uh so i don't know i mean if he comes out with another book will i read it probably um but you know we'll we'll see so aren't you we'll that big sequel to armada <laughs> 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 took me back on that one uh <laughs> yeah well i don't know maybe the lack of success or critical acclaim of that one made it even more important that he write this one you know i think so 
Yeah. yeah for you got to pay the mortgage right yeah. um <laughs> so well very cool um it's been great uh talking to you guys on this edition of the book club uh thank you guys so much we'll be right back to close out the show hey everybody michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment and looks like 2020 is living on in 2021, at least for the foreseeable future. Week before last, Glastonbury and the Ultra Music Festival uh, announced their cancellations. And last week, Coachella in April and the Stagecoach Country Music Festival that comes right after it, they announced theirs. Coachella may shoot for an October date. Um, They tried that last year. It did not work. Uh, So fingers crossed they can uh, make it work this year. Uh, a few farewells. Uh, Duke Booty, real name Ed Fletcher, passed away January 13th at age 69. Uh, he was a rapper and producer and the co-writer of the 1982 hit The Message for Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. This song was the most seminal in the history of hip-hop. It's credited with taking the genre away from just being party music and doing social commentary. He was um, a writer and session musician at Sugar Hill Records. Uh, He did rap on the track. Uh, He doesn't appear in the video. They lip sync for him. Uh, He didn't get a lot of credit. Later, when the song became so important, he really wished he had held out for more. Um, He quit the business and followed in his parents' footsteps as a teacher. He was adjunct professor of critical thinking and communication at Savannah State Uh, where he lived in Savannah, Georgia. He's survived by his kids, his grandkids, and his wife, Rosita, who he'd known since he was 16. Um, Also, farewell to Hilton Valentine, founding member and guitarist of The Animals at age 77. If you shut your eyes, I know you can hear the guitar intro to House of the Rising Sun. And also, electronic art pop pioneer Sophie, uh, who was 34. Uh, She passed in Athens, Greece. Um... Tragically, she had climbed on a wall to look at last week's full moon, and and she fell uh, with tragic results. So um, travel on well, and salutations to everyone there. Uh, this has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. Right now I've got my predictions for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class up. Um They should announce that ballot later this month, and we will be talking about it on the show. Um, Also, have a blog at esonetwork.com. That's all for now, and we'll catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, It's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the TV show Scream Season 1. So, I'm a little late on this one since this show started in, like, 2015, but it was still a fun watch, and I just watched the entire first season in about a week, so I figured I would talk about it for this episode. Scream follows a group of high school seniors who all look like they could be models, 
as they try to figure out who a killer is before they're next. The story starts off by letting you know that the town of Lakewood, where they all live, has a dark secret. We don't know much more about it after that, but you learn bits and pieces as the series goes along. The show follows Emma as the main character as she tries to find out what happened a long time ago and how all that happened affects her family. While she is also being taunted by someone who is trying to kill her and her friends at the same time. The show is a lot of fun. It follows all the horror tropes that you expect. And while I had the correct person pegged as the killer pretty early on while watching, I was left to wonder if it was someone else too, because they weave a lot of webs during this series. There are a lot of unlikable characters that don't seem very redeemable. So the killer really could have been anyone in this cast. There was some pretty brutal kills, too, and a few that did make me sad for some of the characters, since there were a few that you didn't want to see die. However, take note that this show is made by MTV, so those brutal kills aren't really crazy brutal and still very easy to watch because it's meant for regular television. If you're looking for a fun show that's just silly horror, then I would totally check this one out. It isn't amazing, but it's still a very, very fun watch with a pretty good twist at the end if you, and leaves you ready for season two. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here tonight. Mr. James Palmer, it's been too long, but we will have you on once again. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure as always. Hey, you know, any time to play video games with you is always a great time, my friend. Exactly. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, I uh, did an article for a new magazine. It's called Retrofied. Uh, it's a uh, uh, retro nostalgia mag. Um, you can get it at uh, retrofiedmag.com. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. I can't wait to read it. It's Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Most excellent. And, of course, let's also thank Van Plexico for being here. Thank you, sir. It's always an honor to hang out with you gentlemen, and I uh, really appreciate you having me on. Oh, dude, I wrote you about being on. I don't think I finished uh, typing up the first sentence before you said, <laughs> I think I could be there. I really think I could be there. Very tough. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Well, I guess the main thing currently is I'm finishing up uh, editing and kind of produ- uh, putting the production wraps on Alan J. Porter's new James Bond mega book. The Bond Ooh, Lexi. Nice. Be out month or two and it is going to be a monster i'm really looking forward to that it's coming out through white rocket my company and it's got gorgeous art all the way through it it has everything that's ever been in any bond story comics movies tv show anything it references it like an encyclopedia it's going to be like 500 pages of amazing bond information and art dude that is amazing cool that, I had nothing you know, to do with it except getting it out there to the public. And that's what we're going to do. You know, Alan is such a – but both of you guys are such an encyclopedia of Bond, and it's fun to listen to your show because you guys oh. bring up stuff on it that I, need, I didn't even know about, you know, James Bond. It and, have and, a lot I, of fun with and I consider myself an expert on it, and so that's pretty awesome. I appreciate it. 
That is awesome. And Kirby, thank you, sir, as always. Always fun to be on the show, particularly talking about books. I was look as I was looking for my copy of Ready Player One this evening. I was looking along the books upstairs and going, "Oh, I wish we could talk about this one. I wish we could talk about this one." <laughs> so- <laughs> It's nonstop. It's almost like it's a book club could almost be its own podcast or something, you know? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, don't throw, that, don't throw that into that gauntlet. We don't want to do that. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Well, I'm always can be found on the 20 Megabyte Doctor Who podcast, where uh, for the past several years, we've been going through every single story, and we finally... Shifted from the classic series to the new series. Ooh. Ooh. We, are, <laughs> we just did uh, The Unquiet Dead. And so next week we're going to be dealing with Slovene. <laughs> we haven't gotten there on Earth Station Who yet. Thank God. <laughs> so, uh, so 20MB Doctor Who podcast. That is awesome, sir. Well, thank you as always. It's always a pleasure to do book club with you, my friend. And Mr. Mike Gordon, we made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. And your internet held up, which is even better. So it's a I good thing. I know, place. right? That's amazing. It is. Anything you got to shout out about, bud? Yeah. I mean, I know we don't talk a lot about uh, wrestling anymore, but last night was my favorite uh, pro wrestling event of the year, the Royal Rumble. And uh, I had a lot of fun watching it. I thought they did a great job. And I'm particularly happy with the both the men and the women's winners. Uh, you have new talent coming up that are going to be headlining WrestleMania, and that is in Bianca Belair, who I am very excited by, as well as the returning superstar wow. Edge. Uh, you know, let's talk about <laughs> uh, old talent. Uh, but um, He's but our good. age. Come on, he is old. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, too old for this uh, stuff, so to speak, right? But, um, no, I'm really excited. It's got me excited for WrestleMania. The road to WrestleMania started now, and uh, very excited of what those two have in, in store for us. No, it was a lot of fun to watch last night, and you know, it was it was neat to see it. Royal Rumble is my second favorite pay per view that WWE does, and WrestleMania, of course, being the first. And but it's to me, in some ways, it's more of a excitement thing because you never know who's going to be coming who's out coming down right when yeah, the clock's crazy. going out and that was pretty cool and you know it's kind of sad with covid we didn't get together like we normally do yeah we usually get together about it. we usually get together at dave west's place and you know i almost thought about having ping pong balls on the <laughs> table just you know which which number should i pick you know so <laughs> it, it, it could have been fun but yeah it was a lot of fun uh, my shout-out real quick is uh, Judy and I watched a really awesome movie over the weekend. It's a Netflix uh, film. It's called The Trial of the Chicago 7, and um, yeah. it is amazing. All-star cast, um, basically, it's the trial of the folks who they claim oh, wow. started the riots yeah. at the 1968 Democratic Convention and – it is an amazing story, um, and it is – if you get a chance, do watch it because the performances alone and even, you know, Borat is one of – is one of the, he plays Abby Hoffman, 
and it wow. and it is really? and he is he is amazing in this movie. He's well. There's a lot of movies that Sasha Baron Cohen has been in that he's done serious roles, and this is somewhat comedic, you know, humorous role. But he does it so well because he gets into character. And if you also want to see something that he's done, it's called The Spy. It's a series on Netflix, and he plays an Israeli spy. Um, who was in the 1960s, who was spying on Syria. And it was really amazing to see. The, it's it's not Borat. It's not silly at all. And it is, he's a, he's a great actor. And I'm shocked to say that, you know, because, you know, you keep on thinking, thank you very much. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you think of, Borat, and but he's so much more than that, and that's what makes it pretty darn awesome. So I definitely would recommend taking a peek at you know, and there's a lot of other performances in this. You're going to be like, oh, that's so and so, that's so and so. Even Michael Keaton is in this movie, so it's pretty, you know, it's pretty awesome. That's and, a Sorkin movie, right? That's yeah. a, he's always good with the dialogue and on the dialogue. Well, he also likes the political intrigue. You know, look what he did with West Wing. And, yeah. you know, so and newsroom. You know, and exactly. So definitely check that out. Um, definitely worth checking out. And speaking of checking out, check us out next week. We are doing a movie review. Shocker. And <laughs> no, we're not doing Ready Player Two yet. Don't worry. It's not, <laughs> not quite there quite yet. But we are going to be looking at a movie that's celebrating its 20th anniversary. We are looking at Almost Famous. And it is one of my favorites and it's just this one has a lot of meaning to me and we'll talk all about it and we definitely want to hear from you guys please write us feedback at earthstation1.com we definitely would love to hear what you guys thought about ready player two and your thoughts on the book you know did it live up to the first you know we definitely would love to hear from you guys we just like hearing you guys say howdy to us it's always a great thing you know because that way mike gordon can't be the only one who says it all the time <laughs> so you know it, it you know it just it just makes a little more sense that way thanks for listening to the earth station one podcast we're powered by nsc you can find that at www.nsclivetv.com Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music and Audible. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yes, we aren't too proud to beg for subscribers and listeners. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike, Michael Gordon, Kirby Bartlett Sloan, Van Plexico, and of course, James Palmer, thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe. So hug your loved ones and peace. We're out of here. Hey. And we're done. That was a lot You've of fun. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. 
We want to hear from you. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the EarthStation1 podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.